0: Friends, yes, the strange, twisted tale of Andrew Breitbart's untimely demise just keeps getting stranger and stranger. And as we were going over on the program last week, there are many strange turns to this tale. But, of course, last week when we were talking about this uh, this very interesting story, it was still very much in the midst of things and developing, well, there's a lot more information on the Breitbart Death, we'll put it. uh, Whether that's from natural causes or not, uh, we'll explore a little bit more on tonight's program. But uh, but I think there's some interesting new developments there that are worth going over. So welcome to Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and I'm welcoming you to tonight's program. We're going to go over that Breitbart story and some of the latest developments, also some of the other news from around the world. Getting a little bit into the Stratfor leak emails and, uh, and what they really say or don't say about what's going on. Also, this latest Coney 2012 craze that is sweeping the nation and the world. But, of course, this is Thursday night, so we will have James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com joining us in the last half of tonight's transmission. And all night, of course, we will have open phones if you want to get in on the conversation. one 313 9443 will get you up and on the air. But I did, as I say, want to go over, first of all, this Breitbart story, and we have the latest um, news, if you can call it that, coming from, well, Yahoo News and other such reputable uh, places. Breitbart's Obama college video turns out to be a dud, sparks race debate. And, yes, for anyone who's seen it yet, supposedly the video that was referred to by Breitbart in that, uh, that speech that he made at the CPAC conference and that we played a, s- a segment of in last week's uh, episode on Breitbart's death, well, apparently it's been released now, and basically all it shows is Obama making a speech to introduce a Harvard College professor back in uh, 1990. And uh, or, or 91, but at any rate, uh, this is supposed to be the bombshell video that Breitbart was talking about. And I would say if, I don't know who's buying this, but I'm pretty sure I know who's selling it. And uh, one of the people, of course, is Breitbart.com's editor-in-chief, someone by the name of Joel Pollack. And he's going around selling it as if this is really one of the bombshells that was supposed to be taking place, and that Breitbart referred to in that video that I mentioned earlier. The only problem with this, of course, is that, well, this doesn't really square up at all with what Breitbart actually said at the CPAC conference. If you go back and listen to what he was saying, he was talking about bombshell videos. And uh, he said, almost as a direct quotation here, he said, the videos will come out, the narrative will emerge of Obama hanging around with a bunch of silver ponytails like Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. And yes, absolutely, Uh, this video has nothing whatsoever to do with that. It's uh, not only that, it's a video that's actually been circulating for years now. Uh, It was actually played on PBS Frontline back in 2008 and has been on YouTube ever since then. So this cannot be the video that uh, Breitbart was referring to. The only thing that I can think of is that this is only one part of a wider campaign that uh, that was going to be kicking off from Breitbart.com, and this was only the first part with other videos to come. But uh, but cer- certainly so far, uh, this does not look like what was being referred to. So I think it's safe to say that there's more to this story than we're seeing at this point and per- potentially that we'll ever see If it's true that this was some sort of political assassination and that this has caused Pollock and others to clam up about what Breitbart really had up his sleeve to expose Obama. But at any rate, we will be getting into some more of that detail after this first commercial break. Once again, if you want to get in on tonight's program, it's 1-800-313-9443. Of course, we will be joined by James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com and FoodWorldOrder.com in the latter half of tonight's broadcast. So stay tuned right there. We'll be right back. Friends, to this Thursday night edition of Corbett Report Radio. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're going over the news from around the world, starting right at home with the Breitbart story that continues to unfold, and I know you've heard about it a lot over the past week, but I still think it's interesting to take a look at as we see the media story continuing to unfold, and we now see everyone giving a collective shrug of the shoulders as Breitbart.com Claims to be releasing the video that uh, Breitbart had been talking about in that CPAC speech that we played last week, and uh, also a lot of other speeches that he made. And uh, and things just continue to not add up, and once again, I'm not positively asserting what did or didn't happen here, or what information he did or didn't have But I think the only thing that I feel positive in asserting is that we are not being told the whole truth of this story and that this video of Obama that, once again, has been on YouTube since 2008 is not the video that Breitbart had been referring to. But let's continue looking into the story. We have, for example, this development, which I'm sure many of you have heard about, but which we uh, didn't take a look at last week. It hadn't been revealed yet. Um, There was actually a quote to uh, Lawrence Sinclair of Sinclair News that uh, Breitbart had made in February of this year, where he had said, literally, quote, wait till they see what happens March 1st. So we have someone who ends up, a 43-year-old man, no less, who ends up keeling over, dead on the sidewalk in front of his house, on the morning of the day in which he had said, on record... Wait till they see what happens March 1st. He has explosive political information. He's an explosive character who has shaped the political debate before. He ends up dead on his sidewalk at the age of 43. Within hours, it is being reported almost unanimously over all of the press wires that it was natural causes, and there's no foul play suspected. And uh, yes, it comes out, yes, he had actually said on the record... Watch, wait till they see what happens March 1st. Well, we certainly did see what happened March 1st, but we still don't know what happened March 1st, and we can get that from a lot of different places, including investorplace.com. They had an article March 5th, 2012. Breitbart autopsy leaves more questions than answers talking about the autopsy, which, of course, they were obligated to do, the toxicology tests and other tests that they had to run, microscopic tissue studies, etc., to try to find out what happened to this man. A 43-year-old man does not just keel over on the sidewalk dead every day. It's not an everyday occurrence. They have to try to look for the cause of death. And uh, we have this report, once again, InvestorPlace.com, March 5th. Breitbart, Breitbart autopsy leaves more questions than answers. And it says, for example, quote, Reuters reports that the autopsy was performed as standard procedure. The wire service goes on to report that Los Angeles County Coroner spokesman Craig Harvey said toxicology and microscopic tissue studies were ordered because of Breitbart's death at the relatively young age of 43. But so far, there is no finding of substance. Officials even deferred a formal finding on the cause of death until toxicology and lab tests are completed by the office performing the Breitbart autopsy. That will take four to six weeks. It is standard procedure, Harvey told Reuters regarding the Breitbart autopsy. We have a very young man who died suddenly and unexpectedly, so we want to make sure we cover all the bases, end quote. So, surprise, surprise, exactly as I was saying on the program last week, well, this is not a a normal occurrence. There has to be an autopsy before we can even begin to think about saying what did or didn't happen that night and whether or not this was natural causes. And, uh, given the, given Breitbart's position, given the type of character he was, given the type of information he said he had, given that he said he was going to release that information on March 1st, the very day he ends up dead, you would think that any, any normal police investigation in the world would take into account that this was not a natural death. But apparently, of course, in the court of public opinion, the uh, the press, which is always there to try to shape the debate and shape people's minds, was there to tell us that there was nothing unusual as soon as this began to unfold. And unfortunately for the people, the mindless zombies who never read beyond the headlines, that was more than enough for them. And I'm sure they will buy hook, line, and sinker the idea that this video, which, for whatever reason, wasn't released on March 1st, they waited a, they waited a week with this up their sleeve, this this super great exposure video that's going to change the entire political landscape in the United States that's been on YouTube for four years. For some reason, they decided to wait a week before releasing it. And uh, one could imagine it wasn't exactly like uh, Andrew Breitbart was going to wake up that early that morning and start to work and you know just complete the post that day and, and decide to release it. Obviously, all of the machinery and all of the, the everything was in place, and all all it had to be done was to flip the metaphorical switch for this uh, video to go up and for uh, it to be exposed. But they held on to it for a week, and now they've come out with this quote-unquote dud. So I think anyone whose suspicion is not raised by what happened here is uh, probably not paying attention. On the other side of the scale, anyone who's positively asserting what did or didn't happen here either is an insider who actually committed the uh, the act or is just making it up. So I'm not exactly uh, going to go out on a limb and speculate about what what was really happening or how this was done or anything of that, that sort. But I just think that it behooves us to maintain our skepticality and that comes, uh, of course, both with the mainstream and the alternative media. We have to be skeptical of what we hear, and we have to uh, decide for ourselves what information we're going to accept and not accept. And uh, for myself, I'm just not going to uh, consider the Breitbart story case closed until I get more information than what's come out so far. But uh, moving along to other, I think, interesting information that's been coming out recently... Of course, everyone's talking about the Stratfor, Stratfor email leak, these, uh, these emails that were uh, hacked into and released by quote-unquote anonymous a couple of months ago from Stratfor, which uh, bills itself as a global intelligence unit that's uh, a private company based in uh, Texas that supposedly... Is uh, well contracting basically intelligence agents and uh, dip- diplomatic figures and and people all over the world to provide intelligence, which they then send out to their customers, including uh, governmental agencies and the like. And uh, and this uh, this leak, of course, magically ends up on WikiLeaks and becomes exactly like the Afghan war logs and all of the other things that uh, WikiLeaks has released, the diplomatic cables, etc., where uh, they've decided to well, give it out to the public in in little bits and pieces, because, of course, the public can't handle all of the truth all at once. That's crazy. You can't actually give the information out. You have to control what information gets out, and how it gets out, and when it gets out, and by whom it gets out. And if you think I'm uh, just uh, exaggerating here, I will direct you to an interesting story that I haven't seen getting any attention whatsoever, but I thought it was particularly revealing uh, insofar as this particular leak is concerned. Of course, it only fits in absolutely with the MO of what we've seen with Wikileaks before in all of their other releases, but here it is again. From the Atlantic Wire, from February 28th, 2012, Wikileaks' elaborate embargo on the Stratfor emails. And it goes on to talk about the elaborate rules that that Julian Assange, the king of Wikileaks himself, has appointed for the media outlets that he's collaborating with on this uh, Stratfor email release, and once again, just like in all the other leaks, he's uh, siding up with, sidling up and and cozying up to the you know the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald and you know and New York Times, Guardian, all the usual suspects are in on this uh, supposed treasure trove of information. But there are all these I- extremely elaborate rules that he's set up about who's allowed to talk about what and when. And this comes from this article, again from the Atlantic Wire, that says, Wikileaks founder Julian Assange has imposed a complicated embargo on the media organizations he shared millions of Stratfor emails with, causing confusion and at least a few mix-ups, the Atlantic Wire has learned. Before sharing its cache of documents taken from the global intelligence firm Stratfor, Wikileaks made the 25 or so media entities it collaborates with, agree to a publishing schedule embargoing certain topics and coverage areas beyond Monday's announcement of the project. Media organizations are prohibited from covering Stratfor-related emails related to specific countries, wait for it, such as Israel, Turkey, India, and Afghanistan, until an agreed-upon date, a senior editor at a publication collaborating with WikiLeaks tells us. End quote. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Oh, my God. Can you believe it? I, I certainly can't. Uh, WikiLeaks has embargoed material coming out of Israel and Turkey and India and Afghanistan, exactly as we saw it with the um, with the the, uh, the, the last uh, the diplomatic cables, where they had diplomatic cables of what was going on behind the scenes in Turkey that were related to inf- information that FBI whistleblower Sybil Edmonds had, that she knew was going on but unfortunately, for some reason, uh, they they covered that up. And if you go and look at the diplomatic cables for Turkey for the years that Sabella Edmonds was talking about, yep, they've been scrubbed for the record, and WikiLeaks is not going to release them. Hmm, I wonder why. So once again, we see more shadiness out of this WikiLeaks deal. So again, whatever comes out of these Stratfor emails, and there have been some interesting and juicy tidbits so far, But whatever comes out of it, I'm pretty sure that uh, that the most interesting information is going to be censored, scrubbed, and uh, never shown to the average person like you or me. So keep that in mind when you start reading about this uh, Stratfor leak. But on that note, we do have a caller waiting on the line, so let's go straight to your calls. We have Irene in California. So, Irene, thank you so much for the call tonight. No. Hello, Irene, are you there?
1: Oh. Hi, yeah, oh, you're talking on WikiLeaks. I thought you, I thought, uh, uh, Rick was still on. But Sorry, anyway. this is
0: James Corbett of Corbett Report Radio, oh, yeah, but yeah, you can yeah. talk about WikiLeaks if you want.
1: Oh, well, actually, I was going to tell him that, um, Obama's moonlighting. He's got a, another job, too. He's a What's... diplomat of the UN
0: yes indeed yes exactly you know, right it came out with Panetta just uh, just today confirming that uh, the U- US president doesn't need actual congressional approval to wage wars all he needs is the UN to tell him to wage wars
1: oh oh, okay yeah I was just like I found out like about two days ago and I've been putting it out there for two days and um, I mean he can't even run a country he has no business running the world you know it's, it's just incredibly insane and it just keeps on getting insaner by
0: the minute unfortunately right absolutely right well irene thank you for that absolutely and we will go a little bit more into obama and the u.n after this break but let's take a a little break and recoup our thoughts and we'll be right back on corporate report radio right after this We are here on Corporate Report Radio on this Wednesday, sorry, Thursday evening. It's Friday afternoon for me here in Japan, but Thursday evening for most of you out there, and we're going over the news from around the world and talking about some of the atrocities and abominations that continue to come out of, uh, unfortunately, the U.S. government, quote-unquote. Of course, it's the uh, the gangster-occupied government and doesn't represent the uh, American people in any way, shape, or form, as we're all too familiar. But before the break, Irene from uh, uh, California was bringing up talking about Obama as a U.N. diplomat, as his uh, moonlighting job, and there's a lot of different aspects to that. But, uh, Irene, I understand you're still on the line. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Um, I just, you know, got wind of it. I've been putting it out on Facebook, and uh, a lot of us are connecting, and I just keep on connecting with people. I let them know about Agenda 21. We are under international laws. Um, They say they own our kids. They say they own us. Um, this is a fight that uh, people need to understand what's really going on. I moved up to the mountains to get away from the lowlands and just other things that are coming about and what's going to come within a month or two. So, um, you know, up here, they they haven't attacked us yet, but I hear on the uh, the east coast they're going after the wood stoves, fireplaces, and septic tanks to flush out the people in the rural areas. Uh, Northern California has been really attacked, and on the other side of me is the high desert. There's people with, you know, three-mile uh, three, uh, three mile parcels or three-acre parcels, and they're not allowed to uh, park a big rig or so many cars, and it's all money, money. They want you to go rent, uh, you know, somewhere else and, you know, park your vehicle, there, your, your big rig or your other vehicles, and this is people's land. I think uh, some people up north... They had agricultural zone, and then all of a sudden there was an R added to it, and then they tried to make it a residential. Those people won back their agricultural zone. So the fight, it can be won, but how do you fight if you don't know what the fight is about? and these people well that you yeah
0: you, that's you the point i mean that's educated. why it always comes back to the information and that's why it's so important for people like yourself to get the word out on facebook or whatever other social media tool that we have at our disposal which they try to use for their phony pr campaigns but we we can use to get the information out about things that really matter and it is so telling that so many of their laws and rules and regulations are trying to clamp down on anyone who's trying to use self-sufficiency and trying to get off the grid trying to cl- clamp down on on wood-burning stoves and things like that that uh represent a true danger to the system, which is all about trying to consolidate power in the hands of the uh, political elite.
1: Yes, my bills have been very high since they've done the smart meter. I had a, a $167 bill before that was 148 and I just paid $131. So, um, you yeah. know, it's that's the electric bill. We don't have gas, we're on propane, and that's another bill where... It's 329 a gallon, and these are huge tanks. These are like 250-gallon tanks. So you time that just by three, that is going to be like $700 to fill it up. So, uh, unfortunately so. All right. Way. Well, thank
0: you for that, Irene. I do appreciate that. And just getting back to that U.N. point that we started on there, there's a couple of articles that I wanted to bring to people's attention, including this one on blacklistednews.com, Panetta International Mandate, Trump's Congressional Authorization for Wars. And it's talking about Defense Secretary Leon Panetta. And he was being grilled by uh, uh, Senator Jeff Sessions at a, a recent House hearing where they kept asking him basically about uh, about international permission for war and and whether congress needs to actually approve war and basically i mean panetta kept saying that no it was just just on the basis of international bodies uh that uh, that nato and the un and And other international bodies that, uh, the president wages wars, which of course is completely unconstitutional, but since when did the American government, so-called, actually care about the Constitution? But on that note specifically about Obama and the UN, uh, of course there was that story back in 2009 where Obama actually convened a, a session of the UN Security Council. He was, uh, the chair of the UN Security Council back in September 2009. And uh, that was, of course, itself unconstitutional, and that was pointed out by rightsoup.com that had a uh, an article, while we were looking the other way, Obama to be first president to chair U.N. Security Council. And uh, that, that article noted that under Section 9 of the Constitution, no title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall without the consent of the Congress, except of, except of any present, emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state. And uh, the article goes on to note that the UN has a standing military force. We are held to its global policies, and we have an ambassador to the UN, just as we do to other foreign states. Clearly, the argument can be made that the UN can be considered a foreign state, and our head of state don't, doesn't serve at the UN, ambassadors do. So uh so absolutely the fact that Obama convened the UN Security Council and that uh, the US was as head of the US he was part of the rotating chairmanship of the UN Security Council for that month was absolutely unconstitutional and just another step further down the uh the slope towards the obliteration of every aspect of the constitution. And unfortunately, it just keeps getting worse, and we see really the meme and the idea being implanted. Well, the Constitution is just an old, outdated piece of paper. Why would we need to bother following that when we could have these international bodies like the UN and NATO, these 20th century bodies, much more up to date, that can uh, determine what the, uh, what countries the U.S. decides to bomb next. And that's, uh, that's where we're heading. Basically, this international government in all but name, and we're all getting one step closer and closer to the New World Order. At any rate, we still have a caller on the line, and we have James M. Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com and FoodWorldOrder.com, so hang on right there. We'll be right back after these messages. Security
2: will prevail, as sure as I am the president. President Jimmy
3: Carter.
0: You're listening to the Republic
3: Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
0: Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio, friends. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and it is Thursday night, so we are joined on the line once again by our old friend, James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com to go over all of the latest food, health, and environment stories from around the world. But before we do that, we have a caller waiting patiently on the line. We have Brock in Australia. So, Brock, thank you so much for phoning back in tonight. What's on your mind?
2: Hi, James. Glad to speak with you guys again. You too. Um... Yeah, well, basically, quickly, I just wanted to go over this the uh, whole uh, Coney 2012 issue. I mean, wow, hasn't that kind of uh, become a whirlwind phenomenon relatively it's, quickly?
3: It's the top of Google News right now. Campaign against <laughs> Gondon warlords sweeps the Internet.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we've, we've had uh, you know, mainstream uh, TV channels airing the video commercial-free on prime time. You know, it's just...
0: Yeah, because if you or I made a video, I'm sure they would be happy to air it primetime, commercial-free for us, right?
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so transparent, really, but uh, unfortunately, once again, millions and millions and millions of people can be swept into the fervor, the the bloodlust, just by a a well-produced video, and it goes again to show the power of media and why it is so important that we do have the alternative voices out there.
2: It, it really, really does. I mean, I have a little bit of a confession to make, you know, as um, as Madison Rupert pointed out on your show yesterday, you know, uh, that documentary is, is so well made in terms of how it pulls on the emotional heartstrings and, you know, and, and, and on, on that guilt of that this is happening and, you know, this is the only way that you can possibly do something about this, you know, but...
0: Exactly. I mean, that's the point. They they do all of this to show all this terrible, horrible stuff that's going on that no one supports and everyone wants to stop. And then they tell you the only thing we can do is make sure that the U.S. military advisors don't leave the country. That's the way to solve the problem.
2: Yeah, exactly right. You can just—I mean—you can, you can just see the suits in uh, in Washington, and you know the uh, and and, and Africon just rubbing their hands and licking their lips over this whole thing, can't you?
0: unfortunately so unfortunately so all right well brock thank you so much for the call but we're going to transition into food world order now we have so much on the on our plate metaphorically speaking if you'll forgive the pl- pun so uh so james what have you got up for us first tonight
3: i you know it, it's such an easy transition because i think as we see things in, in a way kind of speeding up and all becoming kind of so exposed and the mask is slipping on so many levels that even as we move into coverage of FoodWorldOrder.com, it still stays on this kind of viral bandwagon meme. And something that had been on my mind, but I hadn't had time to do a a bunch of work on it myself, but making the rounds on all the social networks, Facebook mostly, there's this list of Monsanto-owned companies, and it says, do not buy Monsanto-owned companies. And it is everything from Aunt Jemima to essentially everything you would find at a conventional grocery store. Kellogg's, Heinz, Hunt's, Frito-Lay, ConAgra. And I saw this and first heard about it. I was like, I think that's BS. I've never in all my years kind of heard of Monsanto being a company that owns companies. So I just did a quick search, and when you know it, I found it on Snopes.com. But they list it as false, and it says the list is purportedly details a wealth of food-related companies or brands supposedly owned by Monsanto, the multinational agricultural biotech corporation. In fact, Monsanto doesn't own any of the listed companies, and this list appears to be an attempt to compile companies selling food items that make use of products developed by Monsanto. So, James, I think this is a great illustration, and I even saw someone put this up at my workplace, which is... I think a smarter than average independent local grocery store chain. But it was make, it was, it was all around. These are the kind of things, James, that ultimately aren't helpful. And I think it's, it's akin to saying, you know, and George Bush blew up the World Trade Centers. It's not that simple. And if we go around spreading false information about this, I, what I really want to do is just call up Monsanto's public service line and go, Hey, you guys know about this list, right? I'm no fan of your work. But this isn't true. Monsanto isn't in the business of owning other businesses. They're in the business of controlling the seeds that every business has to come through one way or the other if they all have their way. James, do you have a word on that before we log on to the anti sec
0: well, you're exactly right. I mean, it's poisoning the what well, and it makes, unfortunately, all of the other good information out there about Monsanto, uh, by which I mean the information that exposes what they're really doing, seem crazy and and out to lunch when people look into this false information and find it to be false. So you're exactly right. We have to be careful about what we're spreading and make sure that we know what we're spreading, the information we're spreading, because if we uh, if we po- help to poison the well, then we're uh, perhaps unwittingly contributing to the demise of uh, of this alternative news uh, network that we're trying to create. And
3: that's and that's really, I mean, you can kind of watch it growing in a, as a petri dish of well poison going on on Facebook. It's it's kind of fascinating and disturbing on a number of levels, but let's not get into that right now. James posted to Food World Order, anti-sec dumps Monsanto da- data on the web from CNET.com. Anonymous continued its ongoing attack on agricultural biotech giant Monsanto by publishing an outdated database of the company's material this is the newest in a barrage of strikes from hackers aligned with anonymous who operate under the anti-sec banner and they correctly point out your continued attack on the world's food supply as well as the health of those who eat it has earned you our full attention wrote anti-sec your crimes against humanity are too many to name on one page james this is where we do find ourselves again Wondering just what is really going on. Now I can get behind exposing Monsanto and their practices, but as we discussed yesterday on New World Next Week, this, this gets into virtual flag terrorism, and I guess we're seeing it on every level that we're discussing.
0: Absolutely. And what I found interesting about this story, I mean, it sounds ominous and everything, but when you actually look into what information was released, it's basically emails that people were sending to Monsanto were released. So all of these people who were writing to Monsanto, many of them were critical about it, had their personal emails and, and names and, and personal information released in this hack and uh and people who were taking place in this admitted yeah well this isn't actually going to damage Monsanto really i mean it's it's really more damaging to the people who are writing into them but still you know it shows that their their servers are are uh, lax their security is lax so uh so really actually when you take a look at what what was really released here it was nothing of substance whatsoever and it won't hurt Monsanto in any way shape or form but it will hurt people who actually took the time to voice their concern about them. Is that what you're telling me? That's apparently, from what I understand, that's how it breaks down. And if if that doesn't seem right to you, then um, hey, join the club. Now, of of the things that get all the all the attention online
3: and get the get the you know the the water cooler moving. This one is getting attention, but not nearly as much, James. I'll I'll briefly mention, corporations kidnap the Lorax to greenwash dangerous products. Child advocates and environmentalists slam the greenwashing of Dr. Seuss's beloved, the Lorax, because the new movie, of course, is a consumer-driven, corporate-sponsored ad campaigns and product tie-ins surrounding the release of this new movie based on the book originally from 1971 But it's got Hewlett Packard and Mazda and IHOP and Target and all your favorite environmentally friendly firms. Unfortunately, there are other kind of decent firms, or at least we thought they were in the food world order, companies like 7th Generation. They've got the Lorax all over their toilet tissue and, and dish soap and things. So this was something that did get people's Seussian panties in a bunch, seeing basically a story that's about environmentalism used to sell cars and to sell moons over Miami at IHA. Oh wait, that's Denny's, selling junk food and and garbage that essentially go counter to the message of the film. But it is important to note that Theodore Geisel and Dr. Seuss was was no you know straight edger when it comes to corporatism. He did ads for. Ford Motor Company, and he did ads for the Rockefellers Standard Oil, and he did propaganda work. So before we get all wiggy and go, oh, I can't believe these corporations are doing this, it was compromised, perhaps, in the first place.
0: Well, that's kind of the point, I think, and... and with stories like this, it just always amazes me how, how attached people can get to these fictional characters that are really just two-dimensional representations of, of imaginary beings, but people invest so much of their identity in them that they get all offended when they see them plastered all over c- corporate mm-hmm. advertising or whatever. I mean, to me, the point is, it's kind of scary how attached some people can get to the... Uh, to the product uh, the, of someone's imagination rather than about things that are really happening in the world. And, that's uh, of course, that's exactly why they want these uh, these tie-ins, you know, for their corporate uh, greenwashing, because uh, people are so invested in these characters that, oh, my God, if the Lorax is on it, I think I want it. And, and we think that that only applies to children, but I think adults are the ones who get involved in this in the scariest way. And 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 there's a good point to make, too, here, and I saw it in some more kind of, you know, Hollywood
3: industry kind of trade kind of angle, is that, oh, it was a long-awaited kind of family film, because there hadn't been any. Family films, you know, I'd never go to them, but they're a huge market, because basically, James, everybody, our generation now, they all now have kids, and they all love to go to the movies, and they grew up with video games and Dr. Seuss and, and all of that. So when a movie like this comes along, they're going to have their kids going, ooh, I want to go see this. And the parents will go, Oh, all right.
0: Absolutely, just one generation leads the next further into the hole. And uh, whether they know it or not, we just keep marching along to the same beat. And absolutely, I mean, it's not surprising to me that this character is being used to try to make a horrible, a horrible corporations seem like nice, fun-loving, fuzzy, uh, warm, cuddly things. Mm-hmm.
3: And again, there there are ways that it kind of poisons the well, as we said. You know, I don't think I ever would have equated, you know, seventh generation with Mazda or a high hop but now there it is. Let's get even more dangerous, James. Onlinenews.com.pk, and I believe this source is back to the New York Times, and I have a, a host of other supplemental contextual information from the Register and Wikipedia and all, all around to make sense of this. Genetically altered bird flu virus, not dangerous. The scientist who made a deadly bird flu virus transmissible in mammals touching off public fears of a pandemic said that the virus he created was neither as contagious nor as dangerous as people had been led to believe. And this gets into the National Science Advisory Board for Biosecurity, and these experiments involve a type of bird flu virus known, James, as, of course, H5N1. So they're hiding seeds away in a icy, icy Norway seed vault. We're the bad ones because we're driving too much, and, you know, the furnaces and septic tanks that that were referred to earlier, all those things are are bad. But we're going to do this. (laughs) right
0: yeah no i'm glad you have this update because i have been following this story and i had a video out about the story when it was first breaking but i hadn't seen this update to it and it's interesting in the way that it kind of deflects the, uh, the, the the thrust of what the debate was really about, which is, you know, when we start developing these super weaponized bird flus and whatever, um, you know, who gets to control them and who gets to say, no, you can't do that, and who gets to control, you know, how, how this technology is developed. And they're basically saying, well, it's not as dead- deadly as we said, therefore it doesn't apply to this, uh, this thing. So the debate gets kind of moved further down the field, and, and we, don't, uh, we don't get to the heart of the matter. So it's interesting to see, you know, this development.
3: In a related bit posted along from the IntelHub.com, bat flu scare hits the media among and alongside the memes of this new weaponized bird flu possible release. James, we've discussed in the last couple of weeks how we are trying to expand our, our food world order coverage to include more of the environment and health and, and all of these kind of issues that that ultimately, re, you know, relate to our, our, our bodies. U.S. stands firm against drug legalization, Biden says. Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr., he is on tour in Latin America currently, but he delivered a blunt message on Monday to leaders in Latin America who are contemplating opening the door to the legalization of illicit drugs. The United States will not budge in its opposition. Biden, on a two-day trip to Mexico and Honduras ahead of a regional summit meeting next month, told reporters that he welcomed a debate over legalization, but he then knocked down all the arguments in favor of it. Interestingly enough, we jump down in the article. We'll get, you know, the expert opinion, James, discussing Guatemala here specifically about which nations are pro and maybe con the legalization ending the prohibition of essentially marijuana plant that grows. The growing discussion about legalization comes largely from the struggles on the ground with organized crime and violence, said Shannon K. O'Neill, a scholar of the Council on Foreign Relations who studies American relations in the region. But in particular cases, that of Guatemalan president, for instance, it also likely reflects at least in part the desire to increase U.S. aid to his country and to lift the ban on weapons sales instituted in the 70s. So, James, it's... it's it's gangster land, and we know that drugs run Wall Street and they make the world go round, unfortunately, ever you know we can even mention the you know the Dutch East India, you know the Opium Wars, and all that you know that's the gangsters, those are the guys. They figured out the drugs, and and that's what it's been. So it seems, James, there's a lot of these countries, and we're kind of pushing back and forth. It's like, well, do you want to continue to play the game? and we can keep kind of moving the drugs in and out, and we'll give you a little bit of aid, and we'll give you lots of cool weapons, too. Or do you want to dare let people use this and grow this for themselves, and, and we'll have to take you out? That's a, a, an offer you can't refuse, I believe, is
0: what the gangsters say. That's pretty much it, isn't it? And it's interesting because I remember back at the beginning of the Obama uh, presidency or dictatorship, um, it looked more like Obama was going to be the one that would open and relax and and perhaps Uh even, you know, decriminalize marijuana. And we we mentioned that on New World Next Week and other places, but it sounds like, um, yeah, that's definitely not going to happen.
3: That was, you know, that was one of the numerous ways that, of course, came, you know, the the campaigner Obama was the blank slate. It was like, oh, you're drug, you know, into the drug war, sure, I'll do that. Oh, you want, you know, this? Oh, okay, yeah, I'll I'll take on and say yes to anything you want to project in your beliefs of of hope and change. Continuing on, we're blasting through trying everything that I've got on foodworldorder.com, James, and we've discussed food inflation time and time again on Food World Order. More foods going to pouch packaging. And, again, this is something I've seen at work. All the baby food recently has all turned into these sort of pouch packages that are, you know, kind of squeezy. Now all the big companies are getting into it, Cables and Heinz, and the trend is being driven by savings on packaging and shipping costs as well as aesthetics. An upscale pouch sporting elaborate graphics offers a modern look and premium appeal, marketers say. Plus, James, there's no more pesky recycling. Now people can just throw this thing away. So the baby food, the glass jars, the typical glass jars, which don't have BPA in them, if you're even using this kind of stuff for baby food anyway, when you can just grind up some food for them, but perhaps that's beside the point. This is another way that, at least as I see it, James, it's another way kind of tricking consumers who want to be upscale into actually buying things that are against their beliefs
0: like the law acting yeah there you go i think you're right well on that note we'll take a short break and we'll finish up with the food world order updates right after this break stay tuned right there
3: makes another chance it takes odds are he won't live to see tomorrow
0: Okay, friends, welcome back to the closing minutes of Corporate Report Radio here on this Thursday evening talking to James Evan Palato of FoodWorldOrder.com and many other websites besides, and perhaps we'll run those down at the end of tonight's show. But before we do, let's finish up with the FoodWorldOrder.com updates. So let's move along to the Michigan Lottery. James, what's up next? Briefly during the break, this is
3: one of the bigger. if you go to Google News and type in food, this will be one of the first stories – And as we note, and again, with uh, I try and add in as much, you know, the videos, the links, the original reporting. Michigan was slow to crack down on big lottery winners. However, the update is Michigan lottery winner loses government food aid. Michigan's DHS has cut off a $200 a month food aid to Amanda Clayton in the wake of media reports that she had won a million dollars in the state lottery in September. She kept getting her dough. When WDIV-TV, a local television station, reported on the case, it played into an effort to the state, in the state capital, to limit taxpayer-funded benefits to people who are eligible, or to eliminate them for people who have had the good luck to move on. This reminds us of the stories I've covered from right here in Oregon about people using their EBT, or Oregon Trail, or Food Aid, or food stamps, or whatever you want to call it, on what's basically junk food and Starbucks frappuccinos. This debate is only going to grow more and more, James. As ultimately we see, you know, going back to the top of the show, talking about Obama and the Democrats and Breitbart and the reactionaries and all of those things, maybe the Obama administration really is and has always been about class warfare. But we'll, we'll leave that question for another time. You know what time it is now, James? I'm
0: betting it's time to purge what we've binged.
3: <laughs> and we're going to blast down the list. Binge and Purge, Pink Slime, Satire, Coconut, Cottage, and more. List of headlines all posted at the top of foodworldorder.com right now as I come to you. Pink Slime for a food lunch. So, of course, McDonald's and the other fast food places may have said they're going to kick it out of their food. But now the government's buying 7 million pounds of that ammonia-treated meat for meals that you've seen squeezing through. That looks kind of neat if you didn't know it was some sort of meat product. But it it's barely meat. Campaign against beef product internationals, pink slime, more from foodsafetynews.com. Campbell Soup phasing out BPA use in cans, but moving into the aforementioned squeezy packs for things. Disney's Epcot Park retooling their childhood obesity exhibit, because critics say it's insensitive. But let's tie in other stories that maybe flesh it out and make it all make sense. Celebrating the 100th birthday of the Oreo. Sodas contain animal carcinogens. Study finds, again, from foodsafetynews.com. ConAgra Foods, celebrating the history of frozen meals to mark National Frozen Food Day, James. That was on March 6th. I I think you missed that holiday. (laughs) Best, getting into expiration dates, what do they really mean, best before or expires by? That's uh, actually a press release from MarketWatch. An interesting one from civileats.com about cottage food laws, about selling food from your home kitchen. That will probably become a bigger story. Coconut oil and gluten-free on food fads, more on that from U.S. News and more. And the Michael Taylor petition to keep him out of the FDA top spot. That is growing more and more, James, and a funny bit
0: of satire from The
3: Onion. FDA okays every drug pending approval takes the rest of the year
0: off. (laughs) Ha ha ha, yes, it's funny because it's true, as exactly. with so much of onion, exactly as we've been over before. All right, an incredible amount of information. Once again, I hope people are going to go to foodworldorder.com to check out all of that information and all of the links that you have there, as well as mediamonarchy.com, holyhexes.com, cyberspacewar.com, newworldnextweek.com. James Evan Palato, thanks again for your time. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Right, looking forward to it again next week. And to all of you out there, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I'm looking forward to talking to you all again tomorrow night. So stay tuned right here on Republic Broadcasting. Talk to you again in 23 hours.